I love that song because that's what we're about, God's business. And it's God's will. We know that we can pray in His will when we pray for people to be saved. We pray for men and women to be saved here in Harrisburg. We pray for men and women to be saved in West Africa. And now we are blessed to have a team going to Haiti. And we're praying that through their going, that some will come to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And that's what it's about. And so greater things, God has greater things, not just for the team that went, but for our team that's going and for everyone who follows him and lives in obedience to him. And just like Dwayne was preaching this morning, we, we want to say, here am I, send me, Lord. And I want to go. I want to be a part. I want to be about your business, whether it's here or whether it's there or wherever God sends us. So we are so excited to have the Haiti team that went in July. They, I think, had to sweat a little bit more maybe than our team's going to have to do. I'm not for sure about that. We'll hear when we come back. But this was a medical team. And these guys are from First Baptist Church of Metropolis. And you know that we've had a partnership with them in West Africa. So we've worked with Randy and Connie. But we haven't worked with these other guys. And it was a medical team. So they had nurses and all that sort of thing with them. And our guys will be going and doing construction. It's still the same country. It's still the same people. And it's still the same lostness. So you guys come and share how you saw God work this summer. Well, thank you for inviting us and uh, allowing us to be part of your service tonight. Uh, more than that, thank you for uh, the partnership that we have with you guys. I'm increasingly in, in a more and more a believer that there's very little that happens because of coincidence in a Christian's life. And for some reason, three years ago, I got this email, and from there we went to, into a relationship between our two churches and a real love affair between Dwayne, Judy, and some of the members here that I've gotten to know. So we thank you for that. Well, um, this was the, the size of the team that went. Um, the um, email came to me that uh, there was a need, and uh, I, one Sunday morning, um, said at the end of the service, Brother Joe, would you have anybody that knows something medical to come to one of the classrooms at our church not knowing where that was going to go and walked in that classroom and there were several people there. Um, we went from there to this. Uh, when you guys get to Haiti uh, next week, you will find that uh, they speak French uh, and so the welcome of bonjour. Uh, I never had any idea that our church would be taking a t team of people to Haiti. Uh, we were trying to do work in Niger with your church, and our emphasis was primarily there. Um, little did I know that when this occurred on January the 12th, that there would be such a need in Haiti uh, for uh, the work that's been going on there. It was a seven-magnitude earthquake. Um, it was very close to the capital, and it was a big problem for that country. Uh, they're very poor to start with, and this didn't help at all. Um, some of the pictures that you'll see that we'll be showing that your team will be witnessing um, will show you very quickly that these people live in structures that are uh, not like ours and they does not tolerate earthquakes very well. So when the buildings came caving in, uh, you can see the numbers of the people that died 
uh, were injured and became homeless. Uh, just imagine for a minute something like that happening in the United States of this magnitude. Next slide. So again, back and forth emails that allowed me to get to meet a lot of people by name, uh, and I've listed some of them there. Um, but what I'm trying to show you again is it's not by coincidence that things can uh, be worked out for God's work. Uh, things just kind of kept happening. Uh, the people stepped up and said, uh, the door's open, I'm willing to go. Uh, and people on the uh, other end of the, uh, our, our relationships with Southern Baptists uh, and Illinois Baptists uh, kept opening doors and things just happened. Next slide. That was an attempt to show you if you didn't know where Haiti was, uh, where your team is heading this week, if we can get it back. It's a we may not be able to get that, but it's in the Caribbean. It's a country about the size of Maryland, um, and it borders. There it is. There it borders. And it, the location, as you can see, is below Florida, uh, and it uh, has a, shares a border with the Dominican Republic. Um, the difference in those two countries is night and day. The Dominican Republic is actually not that poor, and Haiti, on the other hand, is, is one of the poorest countries in the uh, Western Hemisphere. Um, the, country where uh, the city where your team is going, the same place we went, is the capital, Port-au-Prince. There's approximately 9 million people in, this, in the country, and about 2.5 million of those live in the, um, in the capital. I guess I can see it up. I can't see it back there, but I can see it here. Um, they are primarily uh, black, um, and there is some penetrance of Roman Catholic um, uh, religion in that country. Um, and again, they speak French. Next slide. So you'll get to the airport, and fortunately, not have to ride on one of the main. Uh, ways of getting around the, the country. It's called a tap-tap. It's basically a small truck with a cover, and, uh, and people jump on and off. But we were fortunate to be picked up by um, the uh, Baptist Global Relief Team uh, and rode around in the Land Rover that you see there. And the camp or the uh, logistic area that we uh, worked out of uh, was basically um, the Haitian uh, Baptist Convention. Um, location. Uh, the Baptist Global Relief, uh, basically the International Mission Board, came in and kind of took this camp over. Uh, the World Hunger offering that I uh, heard you talking about, the funds um, for some of that actually went to purchase these tents and to purchase the Land Rover and to set this compound up where literally tens of not hundreds of uh, volunteers from the United States uh, Baptist churches have made their way through that since the earthquake to do uh, God's work. Next slide. So it's not the Hilton. Um, the uh, shower curtains are, uh, are uh, tarps, and uh, the food is served, and, and, and uh, a lot of the food work is done out under uh, Coleman covers. Next slide. Two wonderful people, Sam and Dolores Shork. Uh, they have ministered to the Haitian people for... Um, I suppose most of their adult life. Uh, they are career IMB missionaries. Uh, they were actually not in the country of Haiti at the time of the earthquake, but were working with the Haitians who live in the Dominican Republic. Um, 
Sam is primarily the team leader for the construction team, so uh, you guys, uh, he'll say, get your breakfast over with and get in the truck, uh, whereas Dolores is an RN, uh, and she uh, was the one that gave us our marching orders when we were there. Next slide. But the International Mission Board brought in other helpers. Uh, uh, Dawn is uh, the one with the slide with me in it. Uh, she, she has a, a heart for the, uh, uh, the a deaf ministry, uh, and she actually was instrumental in us spending two days uh, working with uh, a deaf camp. Uh, she, uh, like Sam and uh, Dolores, has worked with the Haitians for several years. Uh, others were brought in from other parts of the world. Uh, Candy there to uh, my right, your right, uh, is actually working in South America uh, and was brought in to uh, help with the, um, uh, the teams that would be coming through. Next slide. David, to my left, your left, uh, uh, was in uh, the Caribbean, uh, San Lucas Island, and was brought in. And Parker was uh, working with Don in South America and brought in. The purpose of these guys was primarily to um, in, uh, allow the volunteers to get around and, and uh, help take care of us uh, while we were trying to do the work. Next slide. So... Uh, we have a book at our church that I share with a lot of the teams that uh, teams we try to put together that are medical. I was fortunate to actually meet the guy that wrote the book, Preach and Heal. Uh, so we uh, decided since we were uh, going to do medical work that we were going to name our, uh, our, team, our trip the Preach and Heal. But when we got there, we decided we needed to add the word and sweat. Next slide. So we had basically five days to do our work. Three of those days were spent on what uh, we, we named the hill. Uh, some people called it the lighthouse. Uh, it was up above Port-au-Prince um, in an area where there is a small church established. And um, it's where we worked out of that home that was converted into an area where we could actually have patients uh, enter the front door and go out the back door. Uh, and it worked out uh, just splendidly. Um, you could see uh, uh, on the left uh, that there was another team from, uh, from West Virginia that was actually there doing some things. Uh, they stayed on the hill and uh, actually helped us uh, somewhat with the work that we, we were able to get done. Uh, to your right, you can see that it was an enclosed compound with a gate and see all the people standing there waiting to just get through the gate. It's, uh, it's amazing when you go to a third world country to do medical care and you find that they have so little uh, how they just come out of the woodwork uh, looking for whatever they can uh, get to help them with their problems. Next slide. Two of the three days were then spent at the death camp, and uh, the Haitian government had uh, collected everyone that uh, was deaf and brought them to this area, and it was actually a fenced-in enclosed area for the protection of the deaf people. Um, a large number of people, I would guess 400, I never heard the exact number, uh, who were living in those tents. I want you to notice there's no trees. Uh, that's gravel that uh, they're living on, and it is very hot there. Next slide. So we had several on our team that couldn't be here tonight, and I'm going to try to quickly paraphrase uh, what I've heard them say when they've been able to uh, share with people. Uh, this was Kathy Glass. Uh, Kathy uh, um, is a lab technician who uh, works at, uh, uh, in Metropolis that has worked in hospitals before, she, and, and she was um, a very good team uh, person. Um, 
wonderful thing is, is that most of the people that went uh, had never been before and uh, came back feeling like they had been, they'll never be the same type of person. Next slide. Kathy wanted to, uh, to always express to people that when she was there, she was just taken back by the dedication and the love of the uh, missionaries. Um, you know, we have over 5,000 uh, working through the International Mission Board. Um, I keep getting to meet more and more of them, and I'm too like Kathy. I'm just totally blown away by uh, what these people, uh, how, the, how committed they are to God's work. Um, we were able to go and spend the week and come home. These people don't come home. Um, the, the change in diet that we have to experience, uh, the living standards that uh, we put up with for seven days are, is what they live. Um, and it's really a blessing to see these people uh, out there uh, doing God's work. Next slide. Imagine working in a third world country. Uh, Sam and Dolores came across this young lady to my left two or three times when she was malnourished uh, around age two. Her mother couldn't take care of her. Uh, and I'll compress the story by saying that eventually uh, she was adopted by Sam and Dolores. So um, not only are they out there uh, spreading the gospel, uh, but they're also uh, adopting orphans, basically, uh, and taking care of them. Uh, Kathy would always express that she was impressed how many hats that uh, Dolores could wear, one being mother, uh, two being a, a preacher, three dealing with all the volunteers, and on and on. Next slide. Here she was being a mentor. The young lady to the, the right um, is actually, um, uh, I don't believe, career missionary yet, but Dolores was, um, you could tell, was working with this young lady. Uh, she, I don't know the details. I'm, I can't learn all the details while we're there, but I do know that Dolores was mentoring this young lady uh, into uh, becoming a missionary. Next slide. And again, she's an RN. She, uh, she basically looked at me and said, Doc, you're going to learn how to practice medicine differently with a big smile on her face. Um, but uh, I don't know the number of times I looked over at her and said, what do you do when you don't have? And she said, here's what you do. So she obviously has learned her way around third world countries when it comes to uh, doing medical care. Next slide. Okay. Another neat lady that couldn't be here tonight is Donna. Donna... Uh, I called her and I said, Donna, uh, this is the uh, the story, and are, are you interested? And uh, she called back the next day and said, I'm very interested. Um, she is an RN that works at Lourdes Hospital in Paducah. Next slide. And she uh, was the person on our team that would tell a little bit about the uh, church service that we had. Now, I don't know when your team gets there for sure, but we arrived on a Saturday. I think that's when they arrived. And we actually had a worship service on Sunday. Um, And uh, it's in a home. Uh, They don't have churches on uh, corners of big steeples like uh, we're also accustomed to in the United States. Uh, uh, They have uh, basically the churches of old times where you meet in homes. Real neat, quick story. There was a team before us a month or two before, medical team, driving down the road. And the truck broke down. And um, while they were trying to work on getting the truck uh, repaired, uh, the Haitians came mulling around the truck. And um, conversations struck up through the interpreters and uh, basically, uh, what are you guys here? And they said, well, we're a medical team from the United States. Uh, 
a, a Christian medical team, and blah, 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 blah. The next thing you know, they pulled off the road, went to this house, and started doing part of their medical work right there. Um, and out of that became this church. Um, so see how, once again, it wasn't coincidental that the truck broke down. It was God's will that the truck broke down. Next slide. Uh, the little boy there, he looks like some of the people under my church's back row. Uh, but uh, we didn't. Uh, they, they're just like us. They, the kids are very, very cute little kids. And notice, notice, here's a country that barely has any income. They live on 2 or $3 a day. And look at those clothes. They save their Sunday best to come out to church. Next slide. They don't grow very old there. The lady in the center that we were trying to... Uh, sh- explain what on this slide what we're trying to tell was actually only in her 50s um, the average age there uh, is only into the 40s and 50s and people do not live much beyond that next slide uh, just showing another slide uh, another side of the uh, the home there we were having church uh, uh, you can see Dolores Dolores was kind of leading the service uh, and we had a time of testimony so I was telling mine, and she would interpret to the crowd. Next slide. They do have a back row. So uh, while we were sitting there, people would kind of mull in and mull out. More like a Baptist church all along, aren't they? Next slide. I wanted to tell quickly that uh, they learn a lot by singing. So Dolores at this particular place was... um, teaching these people songs, and that basically the song was a Bible story. And uh, she was uh, singing along, and they would follow uh, along with her. Next slide. Okay, now I finally get to sit down. Uh, Jeff Lang is a, uh, a dear friend. Uh, he is a chiropractor in Metropolis, uh, and uh, I'll just let him go from there. Um, you know, I, we've uh, tried to see what God wants us to do, and uh, you know, God will uh, stretch you, just as He stretched me. And uh, one of the things I think there was a little bit of a uh, a devotion, and let me see if I can recall it here, just real quick. And and I've searched. Um, you know, we can share some facts and things that you guys are going to see next week. And uh, just a little bit of a testimony for me, uh, just like when Jesus calls those, you know, whenever he was walking by the Sea of Galilee here, and uh, says, going on from there, he saw two of the other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat, uh, mending their nets. And uh, and then he called them, and immediately they left the boat, and the father, and they, they followed. And... And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And just to be a part of that, it was it was really neat. Um, me, uh, Keith Gilly, that's getting ready to come up, and Justin, we got to to share on the back end. Uh, Doctor Oliver and the nurses, of course, are on the front end. And uh, but uh, one thing that stuck out to me, I think. Uh, this is my very first mission trip uh, anywhere. I've never even done a, a mission trip in the States to Chicago or New York and things that we've done. And 
and um, always scared of that rejection. You know, we've just we've got that rejection fear here in the States and wondering how I was going to be able to share with people that uh, I don't feel comfortable you know, just stepping out and doing that here just because of fear of rejection. Well, when we were over there, everybody that we asked, uh, once they come through, do you care if we share uh, the gospel with you? Do you care if we share a little bit about Jesus and why we're here? We didn't get turned down one time. And it's just to see God, um, just through that, they were they were eager. And just like that song that we sung before, um, Hope for the Hopeless. You know, whenever we went over there, we prayed with a lot of people just for hope, uh, for peace, uh, for health and healing. Uh, this gentleman, I don't know if you've seen any of the IMB websites. The gentleman on my, or to, to my far left here uh, in the white T-shirt is Junior. Uh, Junior on the IMB website are, are some of the things that we have gotten. Um, he, get, he, turned, he surrendered to the Lord. He was saved by permission of his father. And his father is actually a voodoo priest. And that's one thing that the major religion over in that area is voodoo. And uh, he uh, allowed him to accept Christ. Well, whenever he saw his, um, his passion and, and what he, his heart, what he wanted to do, his father came to him and said, you need to, to turn away from this. You know, I, I've changed my mind. I don't want you to turn away. And he said, no, I can't do that. Uh, and so now uh, there's it's kind of a broken relationship with him and his father. He is continuing to to remain firm and faithful, and uh, is doing a remarkable thing up on the hill where we worked. And uh, it was neat to be able to uh, to see him. Uh, very very humble. Uh, we had a, a devotion with our family about him, not knowing that we would even see him. And uh, so we took this picture, of course, and we. I kept teasing him. I was like, you're a celebrity in our house. We got to do this devotion with you. And he is so humble. He goes, no, 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 I'm not not a celebrity. You know, I'm doing doing what God has called me to do. Uh, so it was really neat. So just be in prayer for him. Uh, is he just, just reaching out? Next slide, please. Uh, this is a little girl here um, in in the white, just right in the middle. Uh, that just uh, I just knew that God was going to to put somebody on my heart there, you know, somebody you just get attached to. I just knew knew that that was going to happen, and and this little girl was it. The first day she came through with one of her friends, and um, Doctor Oliver examined her, and and she had something lodged in her ear, uh, a foreign body, and another another way to see God at work as well. Um, just didn't didn't have the necessary things within this suitcase to to be able to help her and and just said you know come back tomorrow let's see if we can't you know, find something to be able to get that out and uh, and she did and Dr Oliver was able to flush that out and uh, he found something back at the camp was able to to flush that out and uh, and took that out of her ear so the the pain and everything that she was in. And on the back end, um, we was we were uh, being able to share, present the gospel. She come and kind of settled by my side and and sat there and listened and watched and <clears throat> and um, 
the interpreter that was there with me had left. Well, it was just me and her, and I was trying to talk with her a little bit. Just the sweetest, sweetest little girl you could ever imagine. And and uh, someone else came through and and uh, sat down and had the opportunity to share. Well, my interpreter was gone. Um, I thought, well, I hunted around a little bit. Nobody came, or uh, I couldn't see him. He was gone. So I was like, well, I'm going to try the best that I can to use the Evangel Cube and just try to share the gospel with her the best that I can. And uh, she started interpreting based upon what she had just learned. And it was just amazing to see her hunger and just to 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 see her do that. So she shared the gospel with the lady that she had just heard and was just sharing sharing the message of Jesus. And it was just amazing to be able to see that. Next slide. Uh, this is at the deaf camp. The last two days that we were there, uh, this is what we worked under is the, the Coleman tents. And uh, it was hot, uh, gravel, uh, and uh, the storms started to roll in. And uh, it was, to me, a rough storm. Once I saw that getting closer, I know Dr. Oliver will comment on it a little bit, on his feelings of it too. He was concerned, and I thought, well... Um, are we going to pack up? Are we going to leave? And uh, I thought, well, as long as everybody else is 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 with it, and I'm just going to keep on going with it as well. Uh, it got closer. It started raining, and um, again, me of uh, of little faith, I thought, how am I going to share with the people? And God just said, calm down, just share with your interpreter. And let her do the rest. And she signed to the to the people. And uh, through this, next slide, please. The girl in the uh, the far left in the white was saved through that storm. And uh, I presented the the gospel and uh, went to check on different things that were happening, the water and everything else that was going on within the the tent. And the interpreter came to me and said, "This girl wants to be saved." And so I was, I was uh, ready to pack it up, and but God had other things in in store, and uh, just how He was able to stretch my capacity to think. He had so many things bigger for us to see, and and I know that anybody that steps out to do something like that, uh, just like you'll see, um, God's going to do some some mighty powerful things. I just know that He is. Next slide. But. Um, I just I do pray uh, just for the whole team um, and just like with me we we were able to see God at work um, God uses all things to His glory and we just got to stand upon that uh, I just want to say thank you for having us up here and I, and I hope that it was a blessing to you thank you. Janet is an RN at Western Baptist, uh, another hospital in Paducah, and um, she's got a story that uh, is also almost unremark- just remarkable. Next slide. When, uh, she was letting some of the people at Western Baptist know she was going on the trip. One of the ladies that um, she was talking with said, I've been watching this TV, and um, there's an orphanage over there, and I want you to find that person or that orphanage. And uh, 
because I want to know more about it or I want to donate. I don't remember the details. And, um, and Janet was kind enough to say, okay, I'll do the, my best I can. Remember I said 2.5 million people um, in the middle of an earthquake city. Um, and uh, so we get over there, we get on the hill, and we start working. And one of these guys that was in the slides that uh, uh, Jeff was showing you earlier, Parker or Patrick, I can't remember all the names, um, he works at the orphanage that this person saw on TV. Uh, imagine that logistics of that, that working out. But anyway, uh, Janet was able to come back to Western Baptist and tell this person that she actually found the person that was working with that orphanage. Uh, the orphanage was created because there were three guys. They were um, Christians, uh, followers in, uh, in Haiti trying to do God's work. Uh, and one of the three guys said, I think God's calling me to uh, open an orphanage. And um, the day of the earthquake, the three guys were in school, in in college. And you probably guess the rest of the story. Alex was killed. Uh, the one that wanted to start the orphanage was killed in the earthquake. Uh, the other three guys um, said that orphanage is going to be created. And this is it. It's In his honor, it's been named Alex House. We were able to see it. You guys will probably be taken there because it's very close to where the, uh, the housing is being built. Uh, and there's some of the children living there right now. Next slide. And uh, Patrick, I think, was one of the guys that was instrumental in, in the orphanage. Next slide. Uh, the children lined up and sang for us. Uh, I don't remember the exact song, but they sang in English uh, a hymn for us while we were there. Next slide. Elisa also couldn't be here tonight. She's an, uh, another RN that goes to our church and works at Western Baptist. Um, the story I'm going to tell on Elisa tonight is that um, I worried when we were there whether she was um, getting out of the trip what the others were. Uh, I went over to her one evening and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. And I said, uh, uh, is there any problems or anything? She said, doc, she said, uh, this is the best thing God's ever done for me. And when we got back, she actually sent me a card and said uh, the same thing in her in her card. Um, she told me that um, um, that this is not her last trip. She's uh, she, God opened some doors. She intends to go. Next slide. She was really touched by this lady. Uh, in fact, I came back from our one of our brief breaks at lunch. Um, and uh, found that the, many of the women on our team were actually at the moment crying. And when I inquired why they were, it was over this lady. This lady could barely walk. And we called it the hill, and it was a hill, and it had potholes. It took a land rover to get up there on the gravel road. And this lady's family and friends um, uh, got her up that hill and with knees that uh, probably in the United States would be surgically replaced. Um, I, too, uh, see a, a, another uh, not coincidence thing here. On the last things I grabbed out of the office as we headed off to the uh, uh, to pack all of our bags uh, was uh, ten little vials of medicine to inject in people's knees. Didn't know that this was going to be for this lady. Um, and uh, you can just really have your heart touched by people's needs uh, across the world. Um, here, we hurt. We can go to the doctor and get something for pain or get an injection. Uh, there, she had to live with her pain every day. Next slide. 
Jane is a retired RN from Metropolis that um, uh, was a school nurse. Um, and when I went to her, uh, immediately out of her mouth, she said, I'll go. Uh, next slide. And she spoke for us uh, on our share times about the deaf camp, uh, pointing out that uh, uh, the, the need is so much and the people would stand for hours. I tease at uh, our church when I shared that, uh, that some of my patients think waiting an hour in the lobby is bad. These people would wait two and three hours in the sun uh, to, uh, to be seen. Next slide. And again, see how they live. Um, a panoramic of the deaf camp with all the little tents. Next slide. A close-up view. Uh, one day this tent was, I had a guy laying in it with 103 temp, uh, and the tent was about 104. Um, next slide. And let's just go past that one. And next slide. Jeff touched on the storm. Now, this was not a small storm. Uh, this thing was coming over the mountain and looked like that you needed to take cover. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to take the time to expound upon the lightning and the wind and everything that went with it. Uh, I did look at Dolores and say, what do we do? And she said, we're here to work, aren't we? So, so we just kept going. Uh, next slide. The sea, you know, I, I'm kind of jealous of... Uh, of the guys, we we haven't touched much on it, but uh, I said to Dolores uh, on our emails and our phone conversations before we uh, we went, I said uh, we we want to evangelize on this trip, on this trip. Um, we're sure, we're we're docs and nurses, and we're bringing medicines, and we want to treat the the physical need, but the, but there's a spiritual need, and we want to be involved in that. And she said that's just absolutely wonderful. Now, still yet, I didn't know how it was going to work out. But you, you heard us say that the patients entered the front door and had to exit the back door. The back door was where our three guys were waiting to, uh, to uh, tell the story of Christ. Um, amazing thing was that we saw 700, over 700 patients treating them with some type of medication. And over those same 700 people got to hear the gospel. Um, and this shows you at the deaf camp where these guys were trying to do, trying to do that. And, and I still don't understand the logistics of how God pulled it off because we were seeing patients maybe one every five minutes, and they were going in and, and meeting these guys and still had time to talk to them about God. Next slide. And there's another view of Jeff uh, telling the story. Next slide. And there's that storm cloud coming over the hill. And I want to show you what the, that God had provided for us that I didn't even know was waiting around the corner. Next slide. There was a tarp that was there that was big enough to cover two semi-trucks. And it just came out of nowhere, and they covered us all up under that tarp. And the rains came, and we went right on working. Now, if we went running for the trucks and went home, remember Jeff said that one lady would have never heard the gospel and never had the opportunity to uh, accept Christ. Next slide. Another view of our tarps, and we were under there working. Next slide. Okay. Keith is a, uh, a neat guy, and I, I tell the joke in a joking manner. He's somebody you don't want to meet here in the States. He is a state policeman. Okay. And you think, well, why would you take a state policeman on a medical team uh, to Haiti? Uh, he is um, 
working to become a chaplain, uh, and he uh, was the one that was a great, great, uh, did a great job on, on getting to talk to so many people. Uh, we're not counting, uh, but we are kind of want to brag on God, 64 people professed salvation from the, the trip that was made, and we think that's just great. Good evening. I'm Keith Gilly, and I'm so thankful I got to go on this trip. And uh, next slide. This was, when people ask me about Haiti I, and what it was like, my first response is it's like a giant landfill, and that's how the people, some of the people are living, because... Uh, the infrastructure is just not there to take care of this, the, uh, the garbage. And uh, it's, it's awe-inspiring to see how much trash there is everywhere. And the people uh, naked on the sidewalks, uh, using the, the restroom right in front of you. And, and uh, it, was, it was a third-world country. And uh, I, I expected... Uh, being in the military, I've been to Uganda and Bosnia, Panama, and other places, and I've seen third world countries before, but I thought, I've never seen anything like this. It's just like a landfill. And I thought, they need something. They need believers there that, that know how. You know, government can't fix everything. They need believers there that, that see people for who they are. Uh, just to start out, at the deaf camp, uh, I was cleaning up the trash after the medical clinic, and I, I was picking up a tr trash bag, and I throw it in the back of the truck, and one of the workers said, I'll, I'll take it. I'll throw it in the river. I said, throw it in the river? What about the, don't throw it in the river. And he said, oh, it'll just go out to the ocean. I, I said, what about the fish? And uh, so the concept of, you know, keeping your society, your, your environment clean just isn't, wasn't there because they're just thinking about getting their next meal and, and, and such. Uh, basically, I wanted to share. Next slide. Uh, this is how we started our our prayer before the meals, and that was very important. I apologize for that. I just forgot to take, turn off my cell phone. But Colossians three, or Colossians four, verse two, it says, "Devote yourselves to prayer." That's very important. Prayer is hard work, and the missionary there in a yellow shirt, Sam York, and Dolores, those who, who you'll be working with. They're a wonderful host, and they know how to start start the day off. Devoting yourself to prayer. That's what you need. Uh, even here, you, you've got to devote yourself to prayer. So, next slide. This is how most people are living. And are, a lot of people are still living in little uh, tarps and poles and lean-tos. Next slide. This is uh, my roommates in my tent. Alvin and Calvin. Uh, Alvin in the blue shirt is a retired missionary, 27 years. He got bit by a mosquito and he had dengue fever. So he was he was very inspirational. He would uh, he was like a mentor in the short time we had together as roommates. And uh, but in spite of his illness, dengue fever, he he was very uh, just a wonderful believer. And this is Calvin. He's a pastor in Lubbock, Texas, in the white shirt. Next slide. I had to brag on my roommates. Uh, just before I go on to this next slide, I'm going to... Back in January, I was sitting in my squad car. I heard about the earthquake. I thought, 
And I heard about how they kept pulling children and people out a week or two after the earthquake. Can you imagine being stuck under the rubble after a week or two and and darkness and hunger and facing death? And my heart went out to them. I thought, way back in January, I was thinking, oh, I wish I could just do something. I wish I could go and pick up a rock and try to look for people. And uh, that I was filled with compassion. And I just recently heard about this Greek word. I don't know how to pronounce it. But basically, it's, I won't even try to pronounce it. It talks about how Jesus is filled with compassion. And there's like 10 scripture verses where it says Jesus was filled with compassion. Jesus had pity on him. And Luke 10:33, the story you're all familiar with, a Samaritan. He, he came, he saw where the man was, he saw him, he took pity on him. That same word, he took pity on him, is that same Greek word that that's used in those ten other places in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, I was filled with compassion, but I, I didn't know how to put it into action. And thankfully, Ms. Nelda Smothers here, she came to me one day and she said, Keith, would you consider going to Haiti? And I, I was just coming back from military training in Fort Campbell, and I was like, I, I didn't see my family for a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, that's just hard when you're away from your family, then you got to go somewhere else, and uh, I'm glad I said yes, because uh, I got to share the gospel with this couple, or this group. That's my uh, battle buddy there in the white shirt. His name's Davike. He's a seminary student in the north part of Haiti, and uh, he was a wonderful translator. I shared the, the gospel, and he translated to this young girl, 14 years old, in a black dress, and her mother in a red shirt, and some others there, and the 14-year-old wanted to accept Christ at the end of it. But the mother said, no, I don't want her to accept Christ. I, I said, I don't know if I should have or not, but I said, you can't come between your mother, between God and your, and your daughter. And, uh, and uh, the 14-year-old prayed to receive Christ. She accepted Christ. And the mother knew enough English. She, she, uh, she said, I am very angry with you. And she pointed her finger at me. And, uh, so that was an interesting situation there. And the missionary told me the reason uh, parents don't want their children to accept Christ is she suggested that is probably because they don't want them to commit to something and then not follow through with it. They want them to sow their oats, so to speak. Okay, next slide. And this is uh, at the deaf camp sharing the gospel with another group. And the guy in the checkered shirt is, uh, said he was a pastor there. And the one in the middle... Given this uh, hand sign, they said it means I love you. But uh, we shared the gospel with him. And the pastor told me beforehand he, he was a homosexual and transvestite. And at first, you're cynical and skeptical about sharing with somebody like that. But And the pastor was very cynical about it. But I thought, you know, the gospel is for them too. And we shared and he accepted Christ. And, uh, and he... That was just an awesome uh, experience to be able to share the gospel, even with those who we think, we sometimes think we, they don't deserve the gospel. Next slide. This is where the missionaries used to live. They have a nicer facility now, but, but this is where we stayed. It's a very uh, rough condition sometimes. And uh, they had a washer outside that didn't work, but that's uh, next slide. This is... Uh, more of my 
The guy standing next to me is named Shiloh. is another seminary student. <clears throat> Wonderful translator, Bible student. Next slide. This is on top of the lighthouse, the hill area, overlooking part of Port-au-Prince. It is a very beautiful place. Justin, he's talking next. He'll talk more about his experience. He stayed up there. Next slide. <clears throat> and this is the, the, the back porch. My biggest concern was I wanted, they wanted me to share the gospel in a medical clinic setting. The problem is, logistically, you have patients coming through so fast. How are you going to adequately share the gospel? The first few times I did, I left out the resurrection. That's how bad it was. Yeah, how can you? So, and Justin, we had a tool called the Evangicube. It's a block that you unfold and it tells the gospel story. You're probably familiar with it. And the first couple times, I, I couldn't figure out how to get it in proper sequence. I was sitting there trying to rip it apart. Justin was looking at me. I, I know, I don't know what he was thinking, but surely he was thinking, really, really. But so the first few times I, I struggled very hard trying to share the full gospel, the whole message. In about five minutes, because new patients were coming. That was a challenge. So I broke out the instructions. Guys, you know how you're lost sometimes? You just ask for direction. Or I broke out the instructions, and I got the gospel in. After about the 40th time, I had it memorized. And uh, it was a, for some people, we were able to persuade them. Once you're, once you're familiar with your method, you're able to persuade them with the scriptures that you know in your heart, that you memorized. Next slide. And uh, more opportunity to share the gospel there. Next slide. <clears throat> and the verse that came to my mind was Proverbs 27.7. The full soul loathed honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. <clears throat> I was thinking about that, the positive response we had to the gospel. <clears throat> they were hungry for that. Whereas in America, it seems a little bit harder to share the gospel and people accept it. Next slide. I just want to share two more things about one was a young man I shared the gospel to. It was a beautiful thing. I shared the gospel with him and he accepted Christ. And he was sitting on the edge of his seat and he asked this question. Where can I learn more? And I gave him my New Testament Bible. Similar to this one. And the other incident was sharing the gospel with the wife of a uh, witch doctor. And she did not accept Christ. She doubled over in pain. And uh, she said, I'm not ready. So that was, that was, uh, there were many that did accept Christ, but there were also many that said, I'm not ready. So. Thank you. That's a good sign you're done when you can't talk anymore. <laughs> Justin is uh, the youngest member of the team that went. Um, and um, he came to me and said, uh, Doc, I, I think I feel God leading me to go to Haiti. And he's um, quite uh, instrumental in our church with our youth group and, uh, and actually studying to be a church planner um, and, uh, and uh, in some manner preaches. Um, as he's working his way through that. But anyway, I thought at first I thought, you know, he, he doesn't know his, his way around the stethoscope. Where, where is this going? But once again, I mean, there's so many parts what we're trying to express to you guys of how God just stepped in and took care of things. Uh, I, I look back now and know that Justin was supposed to be on this trip.
I may not be able to use a stethoscope, but I can put glasses up to people's eyes and say, Kanuli, can you read? <laughs> so I was the unlicensed optometrist for the trip. I hear that you have a licensed one for this one. I mean, I could get arrested for that here in the States, but there they didn't care. So I'm glad to, you know, I heard that it's you, right, that is going, okay, cool. All right. They got more hope then. <laughs> but um, I think Dr. Oliver put me at the end for a reason because he knows that I have to hurry up and instead of talking your ear off. <laughs> That's it. He knows me too well. But um, whenever I went there, I stayed on the hill. I kind of separated from them and stayed with the West Virginia group like uh, Dr. Oliver told you about. And uh, while we were there, um, it was one of those things you go on a mission trip to serve. But instead, God serves you. That's what he did for me. Um, and he really, really put a, an impression upon my heart for the Haitian people. Um, so much so that I'm going, I'm hopefully going back here in my Christmas break uh, as I go in between school. Um, I would love to go with you all. That would be awesome too, but uh, that probably will not be able to happen. But, um, you know, there's, there's a need there. There's definitely a need there. Uh, there are a lot of people there that say that they're Christian. Part of the reason why, because they don't want to hear it again. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people there that mix Christianity with voodooism. Um, and there's also false gospel there. There's those presences. And uh, so Port-au-Prince is, a lot of people there know who Jesus is. A lot of people there have heard the gospel before. Um, but the majority of Haiti hasn't. There are villages still out there that really have not heard the gospel at all, that are completely uh, absorbed with this, what you've heard called voodooism. Um, as my dad was talking about, that man named Junior, he, uh, he's very instrumental of wanting to reach all of Haiti. Um, he's in seminary right now, but when he gets out, I know that God will use him. He's the one he, who was used to plant the church on the hill. I hope you guys will be visiting it, uh, the people that are going. Uh, it's a wonderful experience being up there. Even though you can't understand a word that they're saying, um, just to be able to be around other people worship, worshiping God. You know, because we're going to come together one day, and all nations, all the tongues, are going to come together and sing praises to God. And that was the closest I've come to seeing that here on this earth. It's a wonderful experience. Um, and also, I'd like to tell you, you know, pray. <laughs> I know that we haven't talked about that much here yet. You know, we, we've told about our experiences, but Haiti needs prayer. The missionaries need prayer. I know some people there, uh, some of my friends that I became very close to. Uh, one you saw earlier uh, next to Keith, his name was, uh, actually you said his name, Shiloh, Shiloh, Shiloh. Actually, it's spelled Charlotte. But um, he is now the pastor of the church there on the hill. Uh, there's another guy that I'm very close to. I'm still keeping track with him on Facebook, which is really awesome. Um, <laughs> the fact that I can stay in contact with a guy hundreds of miles away through the Internet in a third world country. But um, he is a leader within the church. And if I do go back, uh, I will be teaching some what he calls seminars, you know, Bible studies with the people, the leaders, um, to help them learn more. Because this is a new church. 
there's a lot of new believers. I mean, we just left 64 behind. Um, and we, I will be following up on those uh, believers and hopefully following up on Alex's house too. So if you would, please pray for me if I do get to go. Um, pray for Reggie. Pray for Shalom. And pray for all those new believers that are there. Um, I, I hope that God impresses Haiti upon your heart just as much as he impressed it upon mine. Uh, for one, you could go. You could pray. You could give. There are so many ways to minister to Haiti. Um, it's just what is, God, what is God calling you to do? You could go just like you have people going in your church right now. You need to pray for them so that they may so that they may be empowered by God to share the gospel and to glorify Him. And I'm sure that they would accept financial help, too. (laughs) Um, But I just want to thank you for your mission mindset that you have here at this church, that you will go, and that you do want to minister, and that you do want to share the gospel with these hopeless people. Um, I don't know. If you want to go to the other slides, and I can show you. I do have one story that I can tell you, uh, bringing hope to the hopeless. This man right here to my right uh, came in saying he needed glasses. And uh, so I did what I did with every person, started out with the 1.0 magnification, and I had a John 3.16 written in Creole for them to read. And gave it to them, and they would read it and be like, you know, that's what they would say. Not good. Um, I take it back and I go up a little bit more until they could finally see. Well, with this man on my right, it just kept on going up. We had a few 4.0 magnification glasses and we finally got there. And all of a sudden, you saw this joy, this awesome expression upon his face as he looked down and he could read. <laughs> Probably for the first time in years. Um, he kept on, he was reading for fun. <laughs> he took that piece of paper from me and just kept on reading and reading it. Uh, he also actually took one of my other papers and kind of took it with him so he could read it. <laughs> but um, the fact was, is through that mission, we were able to give hope to hopeless people. And then he got to go hear the gospel with Keith and my dad. It's just an encouragement to know that this stuff happens. And that through people like me, through people like everybody else in the group that are going, through people like uh, the group that's going through your church, God is glorified in that. And it's such an encouragement to me to see a church that is so adamant about that too, and I thank you for that. But I don't want to go on for very much longer. Uh, I, I got a few other pictures of just Haitian, you know, the city and the landscapes, but pray what God will have you to do. Um, and I just want to thank you. I can't say it enough for what you are doing right now. So I'm going to just hand it over to the doc. So you can see it's a real struggle to take a week of everybody's stories and try to encapsulate it. But the stories could be more. And God's involvement was just amazing. Um, I'd get up in the morning and I'd say, God, you know, we're so far out of our comfort zone right now, I, I don't know what to do. And, and then you'd get to the end of the day and you'd think, wasn't that the right way to say it? I didn't know what to do. Just let him take over. Um, 
we'd show up and start giving people Tylenol and vitamins, and I wondered how in the world that was going to honor God. And then Keith would come around the corner at the end of the day and say, 20 more people saved. Um, So the amazing thing looking back is uh, when the door opens, you just have to say, I'll walk through it. Um, And many here will never be able to get on the plane and go. That's the same way at our church. Um, But when you give... Uh, the World Hunger Offering, when you give to Lottie Moon, you're just enforcing the volunteers. You're just giving ammunition to those 5,000-plus missionaries uh, all across the globe because these stories that we're trying to tell you about the Haitians, it it just goes on and on across the globe uh, of the millions and millions of people that have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Next slide. So... What's next is the Doorsville team. Um, Leaving this week. Next slide. And though you may not be taking stethoscopes, I guess you've got your hammers and your nails and other things packed. Uh, This is the the final work for some of the volunteers that have gone before you. Um, These are actually quite uh, livable and quite um, nice compared to what other people in Haiti are living in. And your team should come back and and say that they've built uh, or been part of building one or two of these. Next slide. You know, our pastor is a great guy, and he holds this um, Acts 1-8 up before the congregation quite frequently. Um, This morning's sermon was more on Metropolis, and uh, we can't ignore uh, the work that needs to go on there to the exception of the work across the world. We um, we have to uh, be the witness that God called us to be across the globe. Next slide. So I, I remind you uh, that I never forget these people. Uh, I know that there are issues uh, about our abilities to go back and forth to Niger, uh, but we still consider ourselves a partnering church with you guys, uh, and you will recall Sharon and Warren. Next slide. And the new, the new team uh, uh, called M&M, uh, Mark and Meredith, and their little, their little child, Douglas, uh, that are struggling in the country of Niger to figure out how to spread the gospel to the, um, the, the thousands of Muslims there that need to hear the word. Um, we're looking forward to them potentially being at our church in, uh, in July of uh, 2011 and, and looking forward to inviting each and every one of you to some part of that two- or three-day uh, conference that Sharon and Warren want to put on at our, uh, in Metropolis. Next slide. Oh, so lastly, as, as you exit, if you want to see some of the... Uh, uh, the souvenirs and guys that are going will tell you what you can get those for uh, so you can plan your, your money. Uh, we'll have be uh, standing over there to answer any particular questions that we didn't cover tonight. Uh, but God bless you guys getting ready to leave. Um, we, uh, we have no idea exactly what's ahead of you because we didn't know what was ahead of us. But we hope you come back uh, touched uh, by God and, and, and our blessing uh, to the uh, people that you're going to serve. Thank you so much, Randy and team, for sharing with us tonight. And how very appropriate. Judy arranged so these guys would be here right before you guys went. And that's going to be very helpful. In fact, we're going to have a little meeting downstairs in the fellowship hall, in the lower fellowship hall, in just a few moments when this is over here. And so it gives you a better idea of Doorsville now on how to pray for our team and what they're going to be 
um, doing there. So I'm going to ask if you just bow your head right there. And Nita, would you go on the piano and play something really soft just for a moment, please? Um, kind of an invitation time, uh, kind of just a contemplative time, just a thinking time, a good way to end a day, hearing what God is doing uh, in Haiti and what God is doing in other places. Again, I keep looking forward. I'm going to preach the message before we get there, but we end our journey series with Isaiah saying, you know, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll do what you want me to do. And I don't know if God spoke some folks' hearts now about Haiti or West Africa or your neighbor next door. It's so important to remain willing. Yeah, I was thinking last week, I'm going to share something with you that last week as we finished preaching and David chose this song that he is now playing and we were singing those words and I'll be honest with you, they're going to say, God, do we really mean this? It almost seemed like, God, should we not be singing this? I surrender all. I surrender all. I hope tonight that's our heart. God, I really lay it all on the line for you. You certainly did for me at Calvary's cross. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll give what you want me to give. I really will surrender all. Father, thank you for this good ending to this day. Thank you for uh, Randy and the team coming and share with us. And Father, it really helps me understand better how to pray for our team as they leave this coming week. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that they had to share and I know there's going to be opportunities, Father, as they build houses to share. And Father, I pray that, that nine people will go, but the same nine people won't come back. I pray each one of them will be changed forever in their lives. I just pray, Father, that they'll be impacted in such a way that they'll see you and they'll see others in our ministry at Dorsville in a wholly different way. And that's going to happen, God. I know it's going to happen. Lord, we pray as we go out this week that wherever we go and however you lead our paths, that we'll be faithful and we'll follow you. Again, thank you for blessing us. So be with the team that has to travel back to Metropolis tonight. We ask God for traveling mercy to them to watch over them. And we love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much. You are dismissed. And the uh, display table is over this way.